When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Art Curious Podcast is sponsored by Anchorlight. For more information about their programs and residencies, please visit anchorlightraleigh.com. Hey, hey there. Welcome to the Art Curious Podcast, where we explore the unexpected, slightly odd, and strangely wonderful in art history. This episode is another rendition of one of my favorite segments from my audio course, Breaking Barriers, Women Artists of Renaissance Europe. As you have heard me say all season, this is a 21-day course where you get essentially a mini-episode of Art Curious every day for three weeks straight and provides you with a unique opportunity to learn about some artists that you may have never heard of before but who made their amazing marks on art history. This evergreen course is all about learning for fun, no papers, no quizzes, no tests, just fun content that you can access on your own time and at your own pace. So register today for the course at avid.fm slash Jennifer. And now, without further ado, let's move onward to the life and art of Properzia de Rossi. I'd like you to take a minute and recall our course on Fede Galizia, the Italian artist who became one of the earliest adopters of still-life painting. In that class, I discussed this concept of the hierarchy of art. One that, when specific to painting itself, prized history painting and portraits above all other subject matter, like animal paintings and those poor lowly still lives. This, to me, is kind of a silly concept, but I am not a Renaissance philosopher or art theorist, so I am not the target audience for this debate. But even before the hierarchy got so granular about painting, Such arguments were really more specifically about what types of art were better. So painting, sculpture, or architecture. This was a debate that was generally referred to as paragone, which essentially translates to comparison. And in the Renaissance, a time where some of the best sculptures since ancient times were being created, people got a bit snippy about comparing sculpture to painting. Because sculpture, you see, essentially requires you to get down and dirty with your materials. In using a hammer and chisel, you will no doubt kick up a bunch of dust. Your hands would be filthy, calloused, and in short, sculpture was considered to be a not very gentlemanly act. It was less elegant a form of artistic expression, whereas a gentleman could theoretically create their masterworks of painting while wearing their finery and just dab-dabbing away at the canvas or panel. So if sculpture was not nearly as refined in its detractors' minds as painting, then it was definitely not thought to be a place for a lady. And yet, ladies, especially Properzia de Rossi, still flourished. Properzia de Rossi was born in 1490 in Bologna, growing up almost a century after another hometown hero, St. Catherine of Bologna whose life and works we discussed previously. Though her family wasn't quite as upper class as Catherine's was, they were well off, 
So Propertia received that typical humanist education that was required of women. And right away, she had this long list of interests that clearly displays how creative and engaged she was. She loved to dance, write poetry, play music, and she loved to paint. After she learned to draw under the supervision of the famed engraver Marc Antonio Raimondi, who was one of the most important engravers of the Italian Renaissance. This, by the way, puts her in line with the Anguissola sisters because she, like them, didn't come from a family of artists. So her parents had to outsource her artistic training to Marc Antonio Raimondi. All of this creative fascination and talent meant that her life came at a crossroads when she needed to decide which single activity she wanted to pursue as her main talent. Should she write? Should she paint? And get this, the story goes, which you know might be a myth, though there does seem to be at least one physical artwork to back this up, that she opted to try her hand at sculpting in particular by taking the pits of several stone fruits, peaches, apricots, and even tiny cherries, and carved away at them, producing minuscule religious vignettes, most notably a crucifixion scene that was carved into a peach pit. Of these works, Giorgio Vasari, that artist biographer who chose her as one of the only female artists to profile in his book, The Lives of the Artists, he wrote, quote, she executed these carvings so well and with such patience that they were singular and marvelous to behold, not only for the subtlety of the work, but also for the liveliness of the little figures that she made in them and the extreme delicacy with which they were arranged. All I can think is that you'd have to have a really small paring knife or another tool to make this happen. But still, more than that, as Vasari makes clear, you would have to have an incredible amount of skill to perform this activity at all. Like many other artists of any gender from this time period, most of the details of de Rossi's life are spotty. What we do know for sure is that by the time the 1520s rolled around and Properzia de Rossi was entering her mid-30s, she was sufficiently talented and, just as importantly, self-assured about her talents that she did something extraordinary. She entered into a competition to create a sculpture for the altar of a relatively new Bolognese church called the Sanctuary of the Madonna del Baraccano which supposedly celebrated a revered, even miraculous, image of the Virgin Mary. Documentation survives that shows that de Rossi was one of the entrants for this competition, but ultimately she didn't win the commission. Yet, it's wonderful to identify that confidence that she had felt in her abilities. And the fact that she didn't win this competition isn't too terrible in the long run because de Rossi did win other major commissions the most notable being one to create sculpture for the facade of the Basilica of San Petronio, probably the most stunning church in Bologna, and one that is dedicated to the city's patron saint, Saint Petronio. So, no small potatoes this win. Here, too, we have Bolognese officials to thank for keeping such great paperwork because they noted the very specific items that de Rossi was asked to create. Three sibyls, who were female prophets of ancient times, two angels, and then two bas-relief panels. 
Bas-relief, by the way, is a type of sculptural carving that chips away at the background of a scene so that the final image appears raised by a couple of inches or even centimeters from that background. So it provides it with this amazing three-dimensional appearance, even though it's still basically attached to a flat surface. Of this pair of reliefs, the most famous is Joseph and Potiphar's Wife, a scene from an Old Testament book showing Joseph, who was a critical figure in the book of Genesis, fleeing the Egyptian captain Potiphar's wife after she made unwanted sexual advances toward him. In de Rossi's work, we see Joseph mid-stride out of the canopied boudoir where Potiphar's unnamed wife sits, who is reaching out his muscled arm to ensnare her would-be lover. What's truly wonderful here is the variety of materials that de Rossi excels in representing, from the classically inspired folds of Joseph's clothing to the undulating updo on Potiphar's wife and the musculature of both man and woman. De Rossi is clearly talented and super educated in that humanist standard that was so praised at the time. To get a sense of movement in stone like that, to execute the anatomical elements of her relief, she must not have only trained long and hard, but she knew her art history too. She looks back to classical Greco-Roman sculpture as inspiration nearly as much as to the Bible for that religious subject matter. We will return to more of this great story after a quick commercial break. Stick with me. Ladies, I have a New Year's resolution for you that is actually easy to keep. This is the year to finally stop wearing uncomfortable shapewear. Support for today's episode comes from Honeylove. Honeylove has revolutionized compression technology so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating while wearing effective shapewear. You can immediately feel and see the difference. For my entire adult life, I really thought shapewear and super discomfort was synonymous because it basically was until Honeylove. Now I love to wear their super power short and I actually wear their bras multiple times a week because everything Honeylove makes is a delightful mix of compression and support with a much needed dose of comfort. And though Honeylove is known for their sculptwear, they aren't only sculptwear. They are also tanks, leggings, and more. Their Legging 2.0 is making waves because it holds you in without that too tight feeling, so they are compressive yet cooling and comfortable. So whatever your New Year's resolution is, if it's to get up and active or just to spend more time at home lounging, these leggings are going to be your go-to for your everyday life. Shapewear shouldn't be hard, so these products make you look good and feel good. Whether it's for a wedding, an event, or an everyday boost of confidence, Honey Love is the perfect plus one. So treat yourself to the best shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com with the code ARTCURIOUS20. Use code ARTCURIOUS20 at honeylove.com. Cinch, snatched, and lifted. It is hot girl season thanks to Honey Love. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Art Curious. Like many of the women we've discussed so far, not a ton of Properzia de Rossi's works actually have survived. 
though there are some lovely pieces in marble in particular that we can find, and which supposedly brought her much fame during her middle years. But one of the reasons why we don't have a lot of extant sculpture by de Rossi is, potentially, because she seems to have been a little bit of a firebrand. Historians, while searching through the archives of Bologna's criminal tribunal, found that de Rossi's name popped up at least twice. First, when she was asked to appear for judgment after vandalizing a neighbor's garden, and second, after assaulting a fellow artist. Apparently, she scratched his eyes and then threw paint in his face. The man she assaulted may have been Amico Aspertini, who was mentioned by Vasari as de Rossi's sworn enemy, a man who apparently made it his career to slander her. So truly, these artists were probably in competition with one another, and especially in Bologna, which was truly rife during the Renaissance with amazing artists who were jockeying for position as sculptors. So competition indeed was harsh. But I wonder, too, if it isn't Amico Aspertini's actions that have had a long-standing effect on de Rossi's acceptance as a major Renaissance artist, because so little besides Vasari's narrative seemed to survive about her life. So in some ways, we do have to thank Vasari for that inclusion in the first place. His choice to profile her is one of the best sources we have for understanding Properzia's career and talent. Not that that inclusion is without its own controversy today. We've mentioned in the past about how only a handful of female artists are included in Vasari's The Lives. But here's where I actually have to make a little bit of a distinction. De Rossi was actually the only female artist to be in the first edition of Vasari's books. In his second edition, he then added in other ladies, such as Sofonisba Anguissola. Now, to some art historians, like Professor Babette Bonn from Texas Christian University, her inclusion at the outset of his book was not only tokenism, but also probably a, quote, curiosity, an attention-getting anomaly, unquote. So while I think it's amazing to know that Vasari did indeed pave the way for future knowledge and study about de Rossi, his original discussion of her and her work was potentially based on the idea that she, a super rare female sculptor, was a bit of a freak show, someone whose career was something to gawk at. And as with many artists and theoreticians who were involved in that whole Paragone debate, Vasari, who, remember, was himself a painter, may have felt that sculpture was a secondary art form in some ways compared to painting. And Vasari certainly fell in line with the misogynistic assumptions of the time, too, because it was assumed that sculpture required a bit more burliness, because an artist had to be physically strong enough to maneuver and handle the sculptor's instruments and materials. And that? That was a man's job, Vasari implies. And yet, he doesn't entirely throw Properzia de Rossi under the bus. After acknowledging that women were physically unsuitable to the task of sculpture, he writes, quote, Even so, the marbles sculpted by her hand show what a woman can do with vigorous talent and skill, unquote. There's more to this story coming up next, right after this quick break. Stay with me. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, 
with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome back to Art Curious. Prepared Sia DeRossi's time on Earth was sadly all too brief. She died after an undisclosed illness at the age of 40. And what is truly sad is that it looks like her fortunes may have been well on the up and up at that point. On the day of her death, the Pope, Clement VII, was supposedly on his way to meet her when he was told that de Rossi, whom he called, quote, a notable and elevated genius, had passed away. I so wish we could have known what was next for Properzia de Rossi, those probable papal commissions, and so much more. But at the very least, we have a few surviving examples of her amazing unique life and gifted talent. Thank you for listening to this episode of Art Curious today, and thank you for supporting me while I take a little research break. I truly hope that you'll go check out my website, artcuriouspodcast.com, for images of Propertia de Rossi's works, because I even included one of those carved pits from Stone Fruit. They are wonderful. As I mentioned at the top of the show, please do register for my course, Breaking Barriers, Women Artists of Renaissance Europe. It is fun, I promise. And you can find more details at avid.fm slash Jennifer. I will be back with you again in two more weeks to share a final story from Breaking Barriers. Thank you again for supporting me. You are amazing. And for those of you who want to support me in a concrete way, remember that you can sign up to be a patron today at patreon.com slash artcurious, where for as little as $4 per month, you can support this show and get some goodies in response, like an ad-free feed. So check us out there. The link is in your show notes today and on my website. Stick with me. Thank you. Stay curious. Stay curious.